0: You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.
1: Hey, what's happening? Welcome to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. I'm Nick Springer, live in the KLWN studio. Derek Johnson joins me from the road out in uh, Dallas uh, as as day two of Big 12 Media Days. Obviously for KU, for all intents and purposes, they were done yesterday, but uh, Big 12 Media Days wrapping up today with the other seven teams, uh, which most notably from, if there's a couple teams in there that we don't really care about, IEK State, but that's just me. That's just me. Uh, Derek, Hello. I don't know if Derek can hear me. We've been having some issues with uh with Derek here. And uh Derek, are you there? Man, no Derek. Well, anyways, uh we're gonna get into uh, some of the comments from Hello? Oh there we go. Derek, I got hey. you now. I got you now.
0: Dude, the, the amount of technical difficulties we've had to deal with here over the last couple of days, many of them yeah, self-inflicted. Had, yeah, so just I mean, a um, just
1: a peek behind the curtain. We we had some problems yesterday with uh, some issues, and then uh, today we were. It seemed like we were fine, and then uh, I think we're fine now. I don't know. What what's the status?
0: Yeah, it was just uh, doing something weird with my Zoom with uh, the audio and my headphones and stuff. So we got it all figured out now. Uh, we are good to go. Nice. Um, I am I am in uh, Horseshoe Bay, south of uh, Austin right now. It is very hot in Texas. I feel like I'm going to uh, melt away, but we're going to make it through the show today.
1: Yeah, well, good stuff. Yeah, you missed my whole opening spiel, which I'm a little disappointed about because I wanted you to be there for it. But uh, yeah, mm, so tons more, uh, nothing important, honestly, really. Uh, tons more audio coming your way today on the show via uh, thanks to Derek for uh, getting some audio I we'll have Kenny Logan uh, Big 12 from Big 12 Media Day Red Martell 2024 KU football commit is going to join the show at 340 and then Brett Yormark did a little Q&A session yesterday that we didn't have time to get to on yesterday's show so we'll get to that as well in the four o'clock hour and in the five o'clock hour we will have some more Florida man mad libs so yeah, so, uh, I'm
0: looking forward to all those. It'll be a lot of fun today. Um, yeah, I'm curious, Nick. Did you did you find it hard to focus today? Did you find it? Um, I don't know. Were you were you not well rested coming into the day because the Kansas City Chiefs won the SB for best team last night, and, and you were up all night celebrating?
1: Yeah, yeah. For anybody that was in Lawrence, may have seen me just streaking down Mass Street, uh, just just going crazy. It was awesome. I couldn't believe that there wasn't a bigger crowd. I mean, I th- to me this was this was this is better than the Super Bowl. I couldn't believe there wasn't more people out just going nuts celebrating. Uh but you know, I, I carried I carried the energy myself. You know, as you know, Derek, I'm an energetic guy. I can carry the energy. So if if everybody wants to be lame and boring, don't worry. I'm here. I can make it a good time. I can have a good time by myself. So yeah, man, I was yeah, over the moon. Over the moon. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was a
0: big day. A very, very big day yesterday. <laughs> um, you know, I was, I was just sad that I was down here, that I didn't get to experience that with you. Yeah, that did did you watch any of it last night? The ESPYs?
1: No, I did not.
0: How much combined minutes would you guess you have consumed over the last three days of the Home Run Derby All-Star Game and ESPYs?
1: Well, I, I can tell you, it's zero. I didn't watch any of them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, like, the... The, uh, I guess, safe havens of there's nothing really else going on in sports right now. It's those three events, like during this month, during this period of time, outside of like the media day type of stuff. And you were just like, nah, I ain't having any of it. Yeah,
1: no. So Derek, uh, not you, Derek. Derek Ho, a listener to the show who was a a seed in our RCST Trivia Tournament, made a great run. He tweeted at me a list of a bunch of events happening in July. And this is what I said. I said, that's great. I understand there's lots of there's actually events going on and I will probably watch some if not most of them. But I also want to be the crotchety old man. This sucks. There's no football type guy. So I'm just going to I'm going to complain just for the sake of complaining. I want to get it all out of my system because come towards the end, you know, once we get into August and the end of August and into football season, I just want to have a complete cleanse of myself to where it's all Positivity towards everything going on. Then, so you know what? If I, I think I'm allowed to be able to complain a little bit in July. What? What do you think? No, you can.
0: uh There's also the 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 quarterback documentary. Like episode one came out. I don't know if you watched that, but that's something else that people can do. Right? Yeah, there's, I. Uh, there's other stuff going on.
1: I'm gonna watch that eventually. The problem is, Derek, is I got kicked off my parents' Netflix account, and I have been too lazy. Slash, I, I like. Okay, here's the deal with Netflix. I watched Netflix because it was convenient to watch, but I didn't watch it a lot. And so I'm in this situation right now where I don't feel like I watch it enough to justify buying my own account. Plus, I'm lazy. So that's I haven't bothered to get it yet after I got kicked off.
0: Yeah, no, makes sense. Totally makes sense. Just wait for the full season to come out, and then maybe you can get like a week free trial and just binge watch it. You
1: know? Exactly, exactly. Um yeah, so I, I did
0: want to rehash a little bit of what Lance Leipold said yesterday. We played that audio for you on yesterday's show from him at the press conference the dais up in uh, Arlington by the way that that stadium is just unbelievably beautiful. I mean um gigantic. it's so nice inside like nice seating everywhere, just a bunch of like nice various okay. points and stuff it quick, while you're in you? there you're you're just like immediately thinking like how cool would it be to see like Kansas playing a big 12 championship here.
1: Okay, real quick. Uh I saw some people talking about this. Was it was it hot in the stadium? Uh it
0: was definitely warm. I don't know that they had the air conditioning on or if they did. I don't know how how, you know, high or low they set it to. I was I was sweating a little bit, but it okay. wasn't like it wasn't, I don't know. It wasn't like you were outside. It I wasn't was not unbearable? It was higher than like, I don't know, 75, 78 degrees.
1: Okay. Okay. I was just curious. I was just curious.
0: Yeah. Well, did you see some people I yeah I right heard from
1: off. some people uh in other members of the media that uh, I've talked to said that uh, they they thought it was warm and they were kind of sweaty
0: okay yeah i I would classify myself in that way too like kind of sweaty, not like drenched in sweat sweat. I think that would be a good way of putting it um but Lance Leipold was up there who knows if he was sweating or not. And uh, he, he had some of the interesting comments that he brought up that I wanted to kind of zero in on. I think the first one is uh, when he made the mention of this the first time in 20 years that they have had the same staff fully return to the team. And we've mentioned the stat a lot about returning your quarterback, head coach, offense coordinator, DC, that that in itself is something that not a lot of schools have gone over. Only three others in the Big 12 and, you know, only – the about a dozen across the country um but beyond that it is all the position coaches as well and to think of how how often we've seen position coaches leave their role change their role go to another school get fired get let go get rehired whatever it is it, to not even have any position coaching changes that's actually like it's not a surprise because then when you hear the stat you're like, oh yeah that does make sense like I, nobody's left like I remember I've already beaten here the same but then when you actually start drilling down into how rare that is in today's college landscape and let alone for Kansas football, that's unbelievable
1: yeah I th- yeah I think kind of to, to touch on what you mentioned there about it to me the most impressive part is when you look at football not this this just speaks not even just as the college football but in 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 the NFL too, when you have a team that has a successful season or when you have uh, something like this, like what happened with Kansas, normally what happens is you see a lot of coaches that are on the lower end of the coaching totem pole, like your position group coaches. Those are the guys that are usually jumping, you know, another school comes in or another you know school or team comes in and says, hey, you know, we want to hire you to take over an, a better, you know, to move up the coaching ladder, right? And that happens all the time. You know, you'll see it. And, and that's what's most impressive to me is the fact that you see some of the, the position coaches for Kansas, are, are still here. And that I think even further is a boon for KU on the recruiting trail because you have the same guys coming back in those position, position coaches. Because again, how often do you see something like this happen where, you know, for, especially for a school like KU on the football side, I mean, who know, I mean, who, who's to say that somebody like a Jordan Peterson or somebody, you know, who's done a really good job with the position, position coach didn't get an offer to go be a, a better, a better coach somewhere at like a, a bigger school, you know, and the fact that those guys all stuck around to me is the most impressive thing because, you know, it's it's one thing to retain your top guys, your head coach, your offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, but there is so much movement below that that I think maybe even fans don't really fully recognize or appreciate how often though that those those types of things can change with your position coaches and whatnot and that part of your coaching staff. The fact that Kansas is able to maintain all that is just very very incredibly impressive, impressive, especially considering the type of season they had because after the season they had, that's the exact time where you might see some guys say, hey, I need to capitalize on this positive momentum for me personally and go take a better job and maybe make a little more money or whatever, X, Y, Z, fill in the blank. And the fact that uh, everyone's still towing in the same direction for KU, I think speaks to the culture of the program and speaks to the type of guy that Lance Leipold is at the top, right? Because obviously that means that if those guys are willing to stick around, it means that Lance Leipold, as a... Not, not just even as a head football coach, but as like a boss, as just like a, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, like he's their boss, right? And like, a, if you want to keep working for a guy who's your boss, that is pretty positive. It's a pretty good indicative sign that this guy is, is a good, not only a good person and a good coach, but also just a good manager of his entire organization, which is basically what you, I think one way you can look at football now, uh, football teams like that football program. So very, very impressive stuff. And and again, I think that also only just further serves to help KU on the recruiting trail as well. So uh, it's it's pretty incredible, honestly. And the fact that this is the first time where you've really had a staff come back for KU in over 20 years, which I think is the part that Lance Leipold mentioned, uh, is, is very, very impressive. And it also makes sense. you know. I mean, at the end of the day for KU for the last you know, f- 12, 13, 14, 15 years, it's kind of been a revolving door at all levels, right? Not just the head coach, not just the coordinators, but at all levels, it's just been – Somebody new comes in, and you know it doesn't really work out. You move on again. You move on again. You move on again, and now you finally have a little bit of stability, and you finally have uh, certainly an upward trajectory that I think is is very very exciting, and is going to help serve Kansas at all levels, at recruit at the recruiting level, at the just program level of trying to continue to compete in the Big 12, at uh, of keeping you know coaches and players happy of all that stuff. It's fantastic. Yeah, I
0: think, uh, you know, you think of Earl Bostick, who I think he had five or six different position coaches in his time at Kansas. Like, that's the perfect example of the opposite of this. So it's like, you know, Kansas is, was pretty much at the bottom end of the spectrum in this category for probably a decade plus. And now they're like at the top end of the spectrum. And that's so important. I think you hit the nail on the head with talking about how that affects recruiting, like having a bunch of guys with consistent messaging, um, just what that shows you in terms of you obviously have buy-in from the fans. You have buy-in from the players. You have to have buy-in from the coaches because even if you have one coach who's rogue and doesn't believe what the coaches, what the head coach is doing, then the message might get distilled in a improper way to the players, and that position group might be different. Then it leads to a weak link. Like like even just one small mess up there can kind of cause your issues um, in that sort of speak. So I mean. Well, when you think about like all these players coming back for Kansas, whether it's, you know, returning starters with how many they have back or returning guys who have been in the program now and are looking to make their mark or new players coming in, just with having all those coaches being the same with having the consistency of hearing the exact same message every year you're in the program or the exact same type of messaging that you're going to get from all the coaches because they all are kind of, you know, linked together in, in some sort of way. Should we be viewing it from a standpoint of, you know, it's one thing when you say, well, this team brought everyone back. We've seen it a lot before in college athletics, whether it's football or basketball, where, you know, a team brings everybody back. But what if the team is just not better? What if the team is just, they've hit their ceiling, they are what they are, and they're just back for another year, but they're the same team versus some teams who bring players back and the players get better. And, And it's probably different player to player, position to position, you know, based on, A lot of different uh, factors um, that go into each individual player, whether they're going to continue ascending or if they kind of hit their plateau and then stay there. But when you look at it from that standpoint of knowing that you do have the consistency of the coaching staff, whereas some other schools across the country don't, like, should we almost be viewing it as, well, KU not only is bringing back a ton of starters, but because they have the staff consistency, their players are going to progress more than others across the country.
1: Oh yeah, if you bring back your entire team but they all suck, then what <laughs> then what does it matter? You know? So that's obviously not the case here. And you're absolutely right. I mean, if you bring back all your coaches as well, it, it kind of goes back to and I think at the college level this becomes very important. At the college level more so than the professional level, like messaging, attitude, culture, all that stuff matters a lot more because these are, you know, these are young men. These are impressionable young men and you want to make sure that everyone is pulling in the same direction. Uh, in terms of messaging, in terms of what you're telling these guys, right? I mean, you know, we've we've all been, most of us at this point have been in that age group where you can be impressionable. You can be, and if if you've got a lot of people telling you, "Hey, this is the best way to do this." Wait, no, this is the best way to do it. This is the best, way, or whatever. That can those mixed messages can can really hurt you as well. So, I think the the fact that you've got the same messaging when you talk when you talk about the coaching, the position coaches and whatnot. Everything stays the same, and when that happens and when everything continues to pull in the same direction, that can only serve to benefit, I think, the players because you've got the same messaging, you've got everybody moving in the same direction, everybody's on the same page, uh, and and all that can only serve to continue to benefit the players in terms of whatever scheme or whatever uh, Lance Leipold and his staff are trying to drill into these players – uh, of how they want to play or the style that they want to play or, or you know whatever XYZ fill in the blank, whether it's schematically, whether it's you know however you want to look at it when you're when all that stuff is going the same direction again year over year, that's very very significant because again, if you have a certain scheme or certain style you want to play and then you change that, that it's almost like a, you know you almost have to go back to square one at that point because you're changing something completely. So the fact that there's that this is continuing to, to remain the same, for for KU is is very very significant and again I think it just it it can only serve as a benefit where you have everyone going in the same direction and uh, I think that sets up Kansas hopefully to to be very very successful this season when you have all that happening and it really does feel like the the stars are aligning for KU here for this season and potentially next season when you look at who can possibly come back you know this is where KU needs to make their mark
0: yes uh this I thought also thought was an interesting quote from Leipold yesterday Uh, This is just part of it. I think when we went on the road to Morgantown and then went down to Houston and battled back from deficits and found a way to win on the road, the confidence and belief started to really take an even larger step and kind of built on the momentum that we had early. Um, I want to stop there for, for this quote for a second because when I look at that, those early wins, gathering that early season confidence, that reads to me like it's so important. And when I think about the Illinois game this year being in week two, how key that game could be, to KU hitting their goals, to winning more than they did last year, to making another bowl game this year. Like, I I wonder how important that is, or do you think that quote is more just about, you know, we didn't really have that confidence yet as a program and that got it for us and that now we do have that confidence that if they do hypothetically lose to Illinois in week two, that they'll be, you know, better equipped to, to overcome that and still have a good season.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of read it that way. Honestly, my first thought when I read this is, and this is something that you and I talked about on this show pretty extensively last season as it was unfolding, was think about KU, and this is what I extracted from this quote, because I'm sure Lance Leipold is aware of this. When you look at KU from 2010 to basically 2021, whatever, 2020, before Lance Leipold got here, if Kansas got down 7 nothing, 14 nothing in the first quarter, early second quarter, the game was over. You didn't even you it, there was you didn't even have to bother playing the rest of the game. It was over. They they just didn't quite have that fight right and and they, they folded a lot of times. And that, that's what happened, or it was just so deflating. You know, you they, that you got down early and there just it just there just wasn't any resilience there. That was that was the tale of KU football so much uh over the course of the past decade plus was you get down early, all right, game's over, it's done, pack it in, you know, fourteen nothing, you're down and there's twelve minutes left in the second quarter. Game's over. You are done, and that's that's what I expect in this quarter. As Lance Lipel is saying, hey, you know, listen, we went we went on the road, we got down, and those those are the games that really f- forged our team to what it is now. To where we realized, you know what, even if we're down early, even if we don't get off to the best start in the game, we have the talent, we have the coaching, we have the ability to come back and still continue to fight and win games. And they did that twice early in the season. And I think that really set the tone for them. And, yeah, I absolutely agree with what Lance said about the confidence and belief that it really started to take a larger step because it's it's one of those things where it can almost be the snowball effect. And it, and it can snowball effect both ways. It can snowball effect negatively where you keep getting down in games and you just it gets away from you game in, game out every single game, which is kind of what was happening with KU prior to Lance Leipold. But it can also snowball effect positively. You get down early in a game. You go back and win. Now all of a sudden you're on cloud nine. You're thinking, okay, listen. No matter what the score is, we can come back and win the game. Then you do it again, twice on the road against Houston and against West Virginia. And it, even in the Houston game, think about it—you also faced the lightning delay that could have easily ruined your momentum if you were not a mentally tough, mentally strong team. And Kansas overcame all that and had and got two wins on the road. Something that we've literally—I mean—in my lifetime since 2010, I haven't—I haven't even seen that happen. So that—that uh, that was my big takeaway: was in the past when you were like that, if you were KU. It was done. Game over. Pack it in. Load the bus. Head home. L. Not like that anymore. It's not like that. That's that was my big takeaway from that Lance Leipold quote was. Those were the games where Lance Leipold's messaging his his you know what he's trying to get into the kids. It it that those were the games where it became obvious to me that it had seeped into the program deep enough to where these guys are believing even if the score was fourteen nothing, even if the score was. I think against West Virginia, they were down 28-14 Also later in the later in the first half, like that, it just it just seeps in to where that confidence and belief, even if you're losing in a game, you still believe you can come back and win. And that speaks to the players, that speaks to the coaching certainly. And that was my big takeaway from when Lance was, was kind of talking about that.
0: Yeah, and then the last kind of big piece I wanted to hit on was him talking about Andy Kotalnicky that that he'll be a head coach one day um he said it pretty definitively that, that kind of made me think maybe it's sooner rather than later then again he did just get like a five-year extension which you know you don't normally see like coordinators get that long of extensions in addition to the money um and stuff and obviously it'll depend on how strong the year is um you know you, you root for people to get head coaching jobs from your staff like it's a good thing it's a, it reflects well to your program it's going to make other up-and-coming assistants want to be with you but also like it's funny because you don't want to like, like the worst case scenario in this regard is you go six and six again this year, you go five and seven and you have another top 25 offense. And so Andy Kotelnik, gets hired as a head coach because of that, but you end up not having the team success because of other things like the defense or special teams doesn't get better to where you didn't really get to capitalize on that type of season where he did earn a head coaching position. Like that's the big worry there. But yeah, I mean, if, if he keeps this up, like it's, I don't know. It's, it almost feels like to me, like if, if I were Andy Kotelnicki, I would probably be pretty attached to the career of Jalen Daniels. Like if Jalen comes back another year, maybe you wait that other year. If he goes pro at the end of this year, which probably means he had a really good season, that maybe you a jump ship at that point. But I don't know. Do, do you think that would be too soon? Could you see Andy Kotelnicki being the offensive coordinator for another handful of years? Or, or do you think, you know, he, he'll get a head coaching job here in the next year or two?
1: Yeah, well, I think you hit it right on the head with the Jalen Daniels thing. That's that would be my approach if I was Andy Kolnicky also. I would just attach myself to Jalen Daniels and say, as long as you're at Kansas, I'm gonna be here and we're gonna, you know, do everything we can to be a top offense. But yeah, I think if you see Jalen Daniels leave, that's to me that to me is the moment when you would see Andy Kolinicky probably start. And listen, if Kansas has another I mean, even if they only go six and six again or seven and five, let's say, this season But Jalen Daniels puts up incredible numbers, and the Kansas offense is a top-20 offense, top twenty-five offense like you alluded to. I would say Andy Kolnicki's going to be getting a lot of phone calls, a lot of phone calls from a lot of different programs saying, hey, you know, come on down, basically, right? (laughs) And that may be hard to turn down. but You know, that may be hard to turn down. But also, he and Lance Leipold have been together. I think Lance said it in his press conference. They've been together for like 11 years now. So I think for Andy Kolnicki to leave, it would have to be the right situation that he would be stepping into as a head coach. And I think he would have to have the full support of Lance Leipold, which I'm sure he would. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't in that scenario. And it would just have to be, you know, the move that he would want to make. Uh, so if that opportunity arises, I could definitely see that happening. But but uh, I, I I, personally, I agree with you, Derek. To me, if I'm Andy Kolnicki, I'm going to stick with Jalen Daniels. If Jalen Daniels has a great season this year, and he declares I would be tempted to say Andy Kulnicki might also leave. If Jalen Daniels decides to come back for another season, I would expect Andy Kulnicki back as well. So then after the 2024 season, I guess, at that point, I think it's pretty much open season. I could see Andy Kulnicki, if he's he's still with the team at that point, I could see him leaving pretty much at any time, I feel like.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of other factors like – what if Isaiah Marshall comes on campus and he's just that good where he's like, yeah, you know what, maybe I'll stick around. Or, you know, what if KU eventually makes him head coach in waiting? Or, I mean, yeah, is it that you know, crazy if to think that Lance upgrade, Leipold – what, uh, what, that- if, what if the only head coaching jobs are, you know, non-Power 5s and he's like, I would rather wait around to be a Power 5 head coach right uh, straight out. So I, I don't know. There's a lot of ex- external factors there. But that quote definitely did make me feel like it could happen sooner than, than later.
1: One final thing I was just going to say. I mean, isn't that crazy to think that Lance Leipold – in four or five years, maybe just decides. You know what? I'm just gonna. I've built back Kansas. I've done. I've accomplished so much of my career. What if he just wants to ride off into the sunset in four or five years? And if any if any still around, I'd be hard pressed to find anybody that wouldn't want him as the next head coach of, of Kansas.
0: Yep. No, for sure. And, and who knows? Maybe there's even another route where. Let's say Leipold's at KU for another eight years, and, and we don't know how long. Maybe he wants to stay for 15 years. Maybe it's, like you said, it could be four or five. You, you don't know. Well, let's say he stays for eight years, and by that point in a couple of years, he becomes the head coach of some non-Power 5, has a decent amount of success, and then, boom, you're looking for a new coach, and it's like, hey, come on back to Kansas. Even at that point, there's another way you can uh, kind of wrap around. But, uh, I don't know, something to just kind of keep an eye on for the future. All right, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. We're going to take a timeout. We've got some uh, Kenny Logan audio you met with the media yesterday at Big 12 Media Days. We'll get to that. Also, Red Martell, class of 2024, running back commit, is going to be joined by Nick. And a fun interview there coming up later in the hour. This is RCST on KLWN, Depend on it.
1: Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on FM 101.7 and 1320 KLWN. I'm Nick Springer with Derek Johnson out uh, in Dallas for Big 12 Media Days. But right now we are joined by a very, very special guest, 2024 K football commit Red Martell. Red, thanks for joining us today. So first off, I just wanted to start by going down memory lane a little bit about when did you first start getting into playing football, and do you have any specific memories from when you were younger, first starting to play football?
3: Uh, I started playing when I was in kindergarten, and um, I actually played up with the first and second grade league when I was in kindergarten, so I was a young year, so I didn't play as much in my kindergarten year, but I got to practice a lot, and um, man, it just... Once I got to my first grade year and I first got to the end zone, that's what like really made me fall in love with the game. Just I love scoring and being able to have that feeling when you get in the end zone. So I've just been loving football ever since. Was there a just specific the ball.
1: Was there a specific point where you realized, hey, you know, I could maybe play at the high at the high collegiate level? Like, was there a specific moment where you kind of had that realization?
3: Uh, I think I think in sixth grade I did. Yeah. Um, or actually fifth grade, you know. I started you know, I could tell like I was on a different level, you know, from kids my age and just perform the way I perform. Um and it just made me like wanted more and um and it just it was it was making me excited, you know, and then I got in the middle school ball, seventh or eighth grade and then that's when I that's when I started like really realizing like I could really make it next level, so um, it's been my recruiting's been uh, doing pretty good since my 8th grade year, so that's when I finally started getting on the map, and it's been going ever since.
1: Yeah, so I want to talk about your recruiting as well. Had you ever been to Lawrence or known much about Kansas prior to KU showing interest in you?
3: Oh, yes. Um, I've been to KU a lot. Um, I think I went to the first game they invited me to. um, I think after they offered September 1st, I had one up. And, um, you know, after that first game, it was like I just had a great feeling after watching one game. Like the culture there, you know, um, the way the coaches, you know, um, communicated with me, treated how I was treated. You know, it was just different from going anywhere else. And um it just you know, it just it made me feel at home my first visit. And you know, I just I started wanting to go to more games and you know, finally after a while, um, I wanted to make a decision. So, you know, uh recruiting was slow for me and you know, Kansas showed me like a lot of interest mm-hmm. and um and I felt like that's somewhere where I could be and be a part of, and, you know, be a part of the new, start a new era in Lawrence, Kansas, and, uh, you know, I'm just proud and excited to be the first commit there and to get this thing going, so it's making me very excited to get up there in uh, spring.
1: When you, when you were here, did you have a favorite thing about campus and the facilities, or, or Lawrence, just the town? What was maybe your favorite thing about it?
3: Definitely being down on the you know, on the sideline. You know, just thinking about me out there next year, you know, being in the in the uh on the field, you know, warming up, just looking up in the stadium, just looking at all the fans, you know, having that adrenaline going up and just ready to play. I'm just imagining just imagining myself being out there.
1: You mentioned the you mentioned the coaching staff for K U which is you know, managed to have a little bit of stability. What What were some of your thoughts on Lance Lightpool? Did you get a chance to talk to him? And who were some of the other coaches you mainly interacted with when you were in Lawrence? Um,
3: I talked to Coach Lightpool, and uh, you know, Facetime and stuff. And I talked to talked to him more the more I visited. And uh, you know, I have a great relationship with uh, Coach Wallace, the running back coach, and Coach Boylan. Uh, coach Boylan. He's actually the one that came and recruited me, and um, he's the one that offered me the scholarship. So I have a good relationship with Coach Wallace and Coach Boylan. You know, I'm getting to know more of the coaches as I go along. Coach K, um, it's a lot more coaches, and and I'm finally, you know, getting to meet the players and building a relationship with them. So it's been very exciting.
1: Wait. When you were on your visits, uh, were there any players you you hosted with or talked to the most uh, that are on the on the team currently?
3: Uh, Devin Neal and Savion Morrison. Um, you know I talked to them. You know they're like they're good people, and you know I love being around them. And uh, you know they they give me like they tell me some things, you know that they do, and just so I could be prepared for when I get up there. And so um, I got a good relationship with Savion. Um, he was my host for my official visit. And, you know, he told me a lot about what he does and, you know, what he, how many breaks they get, you know, during the season and all that, and just telling me what they do for practice-wise. And so it, it's really helping me, like, um, it'll help me when I get up there.
1: So, yeah and and KU obviously does a lot of different stuff with their running backs does that excite you to be able to get into that system of doing a lot of different stuff
3: yes sir it definitely does you know um, Coach Wallace talked to me you know about how I would fit in with the offense and so it made me excited because I think I'm a running back that can do anything on the field so and I think he thinks uh, you know, I can do this I can do anything on the field, so I definitely can fit in, you know, with the offense they do and uh blocking, running routes, uh, running the ball so and blocking. So it's um, it definitely makes me excited to get out there, you know. Um uh, I plan on leaving early in December or January, so I'm just ready to get out there.
1: And, and you mentioned you were one of the, the early commits of this 2024 class, a class that has gotten mm-hmm. quite a bit bigger recently. Did, do you have any communication with the, some of the other guys that are have committed to the program at all, or do you guys talk at all?
3: Uh, I haven't really got to talk to any of them yet, but I uh, I talked to Isaiah Marshall and Harrison Udley, You know, Harrison Udley is from uh, Oklahoma, so it's good to have, you know, uh, Oklahoma. Oklahoma kid beside you um, that's going to Lawrence with you. So that that makes you feel good, too. Um, but I haven't really got to talk to any of the other recruits as much. But I'm definitely going to, you know, reach out and get a hold of them and start talking to them.
1: For KU fans that are excited about you coming, to, what can they expect? What's maybe your biggest strength on the field? What do you think is your biggest strength?
3: No, uh, Definitely getting in the end zone. <laughs> getting yards from them. <laughs> and just getting the crowd hype. We're gonna we're gonna get this thing going.
1: I love that. Alright, I got a couple questions for you, uh, off the field, a bit more fun questions. Uh besides football, what's what what is some of your favorite things you enjoy doing besides football? What is some stuff you like to do off the field?
3: Mm, I like to, uh I like to fish, play video games, go hoop sometime with my friends, hang out. And uh you know, do different things like that, but usually it's really the video game, you know. Just when I'm at home chilling, I play with all my friends.
1: Do you have a favorite food?
3: Uh I would say my favorite food is hibachi.
1: Oh, okay, interesting. I like that. Yes. Do you have a a favorite T V show that you're watching right now, or a favorite T V show you enjoy? Mm.
3: Let me think. Yeah. I don't really watch too so many TV shows, but I got a, I got a couple uh, movies that I like.
1: Okay, what well, yeah. What about some movies? What What are your, what, Give me your top five movies right now.
3: Uh, top five movies. Uh, I'll go with Avengers: Endgame, uh, Spider-Man: No Way Home, uh, Friday, Um, Boys in the Hood, and uh, Mission Impossible.
1: Okay, so Barbie and Oppenheimer both come out next week. Which one are you more excited for? Which one? Between Barbie and Oppenheimer coming out next week.
3: Mm, I've been hearing a lot about that Barbie movie, but I don't, I don't know. I ain't really looked into it. <laughs> All right,
1: what about uh, do you have a favorite NFL player that maybe you really love or you try to emulate your game off them? Who's your favorite player in the NFL?
3: Uh mm, Saquon Barkley.
1: Okay, okay. You think you think you can get the same size of uh of quads that he's got?
3: <laughs> <laughs> well my calf's about the same size as his, but uh <laughs> man, he got some humongous humongous uh eyes on him, so man, he, I don't know. He ran different. Well, Red,
1: I, I appreciate your time coming on the coming on the show and talking with us. And I, I know KU fans are super excited for you. I know you're excited. Yes, to get you on campus and uh, look forward to seeing you in the in the crimson and blue here in the future.
3: Yes, sir. Yes, sir, definitely.
1: All right, that was Red Martel, running back commit from Beggs, Oklahoma for the twenty twenty four KU football class coming on here the show thanks so much to Red for coming on and he did a really great job as well one hour down here on RCST two to go we got some Brett Yormark audio he did a QA and a session yesterday uh, as part of Big 12 Media Days that we're going to get to here on RCST uh, as well as coming up in the five o'clock hour Florida Man Mad Libs as well here on Rock Jack Sports Talk one hour down two to go this is RCST on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN depend on it Welcome back into Rock Talk Sports Talk. here on FM 101.7 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. I'm Nick Springer in the KWN studio, and we have Derek Johnson, who is joining us from the road, wrapping up uh, after the wrapping up of Big 12 Media Days. Uh, Derek, we just played the rest of the big of the uh, Brett Yormark audio. You were obviously there in person. What what was the one thing that uh, that stood out to you the most about uh, everything Brett Yormark said?
0: i feel like expansion is just a very popular topic in general and you know anytime he talks about that that was of interest there were some uh i guess i don't know kind of back and forth comments um about expansion um and i think from the q a you you kind of saw some of those because we played yesterday the the audio of him just kind of giving the speech and then with the q a you kind of got more of the mixed bag where it was like okay maybe they are fine staying at 12 maybe they do want to expand to 14 like um oh they're going to be fine without texas and oklahoma i don't know you got kind of more of a mixed bag with the q a question i thought uh something else that i thought stood out was and, and this goes back in line with that was the mixed bag because um in a QA he was asked specifically about the big 12 tournament and, and like you know uh with at t going to continue to host or i think 2030 2031 through football uh right now basketball is only under contract to 2027 and he had some earlier comments in the one that we played where yesterday where he maybe it was more of an open thing but then in the q a he literally said he was hugely impressed with kc after the big 12 tournament and that the market and the championship is one that he'd like to double down on so i i thought maybe that's the most interesting part of this all to me is that you did get kind of a, a mixed bag of questions depending on which audio piece you listen to
1: yeah, I had two big takeaways. Uh, the first one pertains to the to the Kansas City stuff, and I guess it kind of ties into my second takeaway of uh, I think Brett Yormark, maybe with, with Kansas City, I think maybe he realized that there's probably not a city in the country more suited for the basketball tournament than than Kansas City in terms of having your own market to yourself, which is what he talked about, right? If, if you take the Big 12 ta- basketball tournament and you go to New York or even if you go to, like, a Chicago or something – you're going to be competing with a lot of other stuff. When the Big 12 basketball tournament goes to Kansas City, it is the number one thing in Kansas City for that weekend, right? So I think that maybe had an impression on him from a brand standpoint. And that kind of tying into that, the biggest takeaway I had from Brett Yormark uh, over the course of his, his comments throughout Big 12 Media Day was, Last year, when Big Twelve, when uh, Brett Yormark joined the Big Twelve, he was very much gung ho, very much like, "Oh, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that, blah blah blah." You know, we're gonna we're gonna go to Germany, we're gonna do whatever. Who you know, who cares? We're gonna do all this crazy stuff with the Big Twelve. And I felt like on Wednesday, yesterday, he was much more reserved. He was much more. He was kind of reeling that stuff back. He was walking a lot of that stuff back. Uh, he kind of walked back the "we're open for business" comment a little bit when somebody asked him a, more of a, a pointed question about it. He walked back, basically, the, the Kansas City stuff with the Big 12 tournament. To me, it felt like there was – and, you know, they ha- Big 12 has done a lot of stuff, certainly, that, that he wanted to do. But to me, it felt like he – he when he first got the job, he was like, all right, we're going to do all this crazy stuff. We're going to do you know, all this branding stuff. And some of it they have done. But it feels like he has maybe hit some uh, – I, I don't know if resistance is the right term, but hit some – has come to re- the realization of, you know, some of this stuff actually maybe I need to – throttle down a little bit on. And that was my big takeaway was I, I felt like he was much more uh I don't again, I guess reserved is the best word for it, but much more not so much of a gung ho, we're gonna be cha- you know, we're gonna change the face of college athletics, whatever this, that, the other. It was much more of a it was much more of a modest approach, I thought, from him this year compared to if you listen to him, you know, when he first joined the conference as a commissioner last year or various times over the over the course of the year where he was very much he was very much that bombastic, uh, you know, hey, we're going to do all these great things. And and listen, they have done a lot of things. I mean, they did the Big 12 in Mexico. They're doing the Rucker Park thing for college basketball. I think uh, next week he talked about as well. They're doing the whole rebranding thing. So they certainly have done some stuff that he clearly wanted to do. But there's been other areas where I think it's been pretty clear that maybe behind closed doors he has been advised or has been said, hey, you know, some of this other stuff, you don't need to, you know, we, we don't need to reinvent the wheel here, so to speak. Uh, and I think that's what kind of what we saw from him here was he he felt he seemed much more, uh, again, like modest reserved. I think, is the way the words that best come to my mind about some of this other stuff that he was that earlier on, like even even something like conference expansion. Right. I mean, he was he was very, very, very uh, bullish on that. And then he got a question about it and he was and he was basically kind of like, well, you know, we, we shrink the numbers and that kind of left it at that. Right. So. Uh, that's kind of my big takeaway from him is it felt like he's – and I think that's a positive thing. I think it shows that he's kind of maybe matured a bit as the commissioner and has maybe settled in. I mean, remember, this is the guy that did not have a lot of experience outside of college athletics, outside of this sort of realm of a- atmosphere of of influence. So there was going to be maybe a transition period, and it feels like – He's gone through that and has sort of settled in and realized, okay, there are some areas where I do want to push the boundaries of what this conference can do, but there are other areas where, again, maybe you don't necessarily need to reinvent the wheel. You don't need to you don't need to change just for the sake of change. So that was kind of those those were kind of my big takeaways from from Bet Your Mark's comments.
0: Yeah, I think I think those all make sense. Um I, I think it's really interesting if you try to connect some dots on what he was saying with the expansion stuff, because you're right, the, the part about him kind of walking back the open for business and then more so like saying, no, we just meant like like all the stuff we we're doing, like literally the business side of it, the, the TV contract <laughs> and the Mexico stuff and you know all that sort of thing, which I don't know, maybe that could be on like lie detector tests, which we're going to do tomorrow. I, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe that is or maybe it isn't. But I, I think what's interesting to me with the expansion stuff is the way that he kind of mentioned it on one hand saying what you said there, the strength in numbers comment. And then you have the the other side of it, which is the but we're content with twelve. We feel good about our twelve, but also that they'd be comfortable adding more teams leaves a lot of like it, it's very much kind of a waffle waffly comment where it's back and forth. But if you, if you think about it more in depth, I don't think it is really waffly. I, here's how I'm reading into that, and, and tell me if you think this is me uh, over analyzing. Uh, those specific comments and, and how it pertains. The way that I'm reading into those is that business is not open for the San Diego States, Boise States, Gonzaga's, Connecticut's, at least at least for the time being. That is not what, what the big 12 is trying to do. That is not what your market is trying to do. Now maybe down the road, if, if all these conferences go to 16 and they're like, we want to get 16 or even more, then we'll approach that. The way I'm viewing it is that they are saying right now, Basically, the only schools we would want to add, they have to be like those Pac-12. They'd have to be your, you know, Arizona's or Arizona State's, Colorado's, whatever. Those schools in the Pac-12, but they're basically saying, if those want to come, we're cool going to 14. And so I'm not going to make a comment where I say we're not trying to expand because I do want to add those. But also, I'm not going to make a comment where I'm saying we have to expand because if they end up being happy in the Pac-12, I don't want to go down and add a Boise State.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think at this stage it would be foolish for any commissioner, not just Brett Yormark, but any Power Five conference commissioner. I think it'd be foolish for them to just flat out say, "Nah, we're good. We're not going to expand anymore." Like you have to leave the door open. You just have to in the in the current stage of college athletics and the, and with conference realignment, you you have to leave the door open. So you have to. So that's why you do get some of these types of answers. Where I just think it would be, I just think it would be incredibly stupid for a commissioner to say, "You know what? Nah, we're good." We're good. We don't want to add anybody. We're fine. So I that to me his answer is the answer. It's it's the answer you have to give as a commissioner. It's, you know, hey, we really like who we've got. We're strong with what we've got and, you know, we are open potentially to adding more, but we don't necessarily think that that's necessarily what we need to do, but we're definitely open to it, right? Like that that's basically what he said. And I think as a from the as a Power 5 commissioner, that's what you have to say. That's what you have to say because at this at this point it's almost an arms race. It's almost uh, an arms race of, you know, what conference who what conferences can add the most teams? What conferences can increase their uh, revenue distributions the highest? And so, you have to leave that open ended, I think. And I that's that was kind of what I thought about th- that conversation from Brett Yormark is you just, you just have to leave it open. And I think from the Kansas perspective specific, specifically, I've always maintained throughout this entire process the same opinion that if you're Kansas, you just want to make sure that wherever you're at, you're you feel like you're on stable ground. And I think the Big 12 is definitely on stable ground right now. That maybe wasn't necessarily the case when there was a lot more of, uh, you know, different stuff about right after Oklahoma and Texas decided to leave. Maybe it wasn't necessarily the case that they were – that it was totally stable. But I feel pretty confident the Big 12 is pretty stable right now. And I think that's, to me, if you're an individual school like Kansas, that's the biggest thing you want to worry about is just, hey, for the next five years are we in a – you know, or the next three to five years, are we in a stable conference that is not in danger of collapsing? I think you can confidently say the Big Twelve is in that situation. So, from the Kansas perspective, I think you feel pretty fine, regardless of whatever Bet Your work wants to say at this point.
0: Yeah, I think so. And uh, you know, uh, I, I guess I am so. What happens? The twelve media actually comes out. Honestly, point like. It's pointless to keep waiting on that because they keep saying it's going to come out and it doesn't. So uh, I feel like next week's the big week because next week is Pac-12 Media Day. And if ever they were going to release it, I feel like maybe, maybe they have agreed to something and they're holding it for that so they can have good part the Pac-12 Media Day. If they still don't have a media agreement by Media Day, all these schools are going to get questions and maybe that's going to lead to some more movement in this where Brett you or Mark and the Big 12 can... And kind of uh, cash in on on some of those Pac-12 schools.
1: Yeah, the Pac-12 is exactly what you would not want to be. Like if I if I was a uh, can like if Kansas was in the Pac-12, I would be panicking because that's exactly where you don't want to be. <laughs> which is a conference that, in the very very short term, is on very 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 unsteady ground, and there's a lot of concern about that. So if I were any Pac-12 school, I would, or if I were a fan of any Pac-12 school, or I, if I were any Pac-12 school. I I would be panicking. I would be really really concerned. But again, from the Kansas perspective, with the Big Twelve, you feel pretty secure for the short term, you know. And if the Big Ten, for whatever reason, does come calling sometime in the future, you pick up the phone, whatever. But I think if you're Kansas, at least you feel secure where you're at.
0: Hundred percent agree with that. Uh, That's gonna do it for the of the show. Two hours down, one to go. We're Florida Man Mad Libs coming up in the hour. Also got. News around the NFL that could impact the Chiefs and Chris Jones. We'll talk about that stuff next. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson on KLWN. Depend on it.
1: Five o'clock hour here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Nick Springer with Derek Johnson. I'm in the KLWN studio. Derek is out and about, currently in Texas after uh, the ra- wrapping up of Big 12 media days. Uh, Derek, I hear it's uh, it's pretty warm down there. Is that true? Can you confirm?
0: I can confirm that Texas is hot during the summer. Yes.
1: Huge news. Breaking news you will only hear on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. It's hot in Texas.
0: Yes, that is right. So if you come out here, don't bring jeans, don't, don't bring pants, don't bring a jacket. You know, Dude, shorts, that was the teacher. thing
1: that – okay, listen. I don't mean to get on a rant here, but this I have a serious, serious problem with this, Okay. I li- as a, as we talked about on the show, I lived in San Antonio for two years. Here is the issue I had: it would get to be like October. Now, listen, I got to explain something to you. San Antonio, South Texas, Texas has two seasons: hot and less hot. That's it. Okay, so it's either a hundred or it's like eighty. Okay, so it gets to like eighty in like you know October, November, December, you know January, February. Okay, this drove me absolutely insane. The high temperature would be like seventy eight degrees, okay? And I step outside, I'm wearing basically no clothes. I got shorts and a shirt on. I'm you know, I'm this is great. And I see people with winter coats and hats. I walk into old Navy in San Antonio, they got rows upon rows of winter coats, of mittens, of wool hats. And it, it's gonna get it's only gonna get down to like sixty five degrees. What are we doing? God, yeah, man, that really ticked me off. I just don't understand. I don't understand. Okay, I, I just don't get it. I mean, it's, it, it would get to like seventy-eight, and there would be people just shivering, and I'm like, "What? What, what are we doing? Where, where? Where did society go wrong? I don't understand." I, I just, I'm sorry. I just had to see this. That just set me off. I'm sorry.
0: No, this this is why I really want um, the college football playoff to have like road games to where. Like, imagine Florida having to go on the road to Wisconsin in January and there's snow everywhere. They like would get they won't be able to handle it. Like yeah. Good luck.
1: Yeah, it's 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 absurd. It's it's crazy. Uh, and I mean, on one hand, it's like I enjoyed it, though, because it's like, you know, the United States is so large that you do you get to experience truly different cultures depending on where you're at. And so it was cool. But, man. As a guy coming from Kansas, where it's actually you actually experience different seasons and it actually gets cold, that that just it just blew my mind. It just I don't know, I don't know. I just had to get that off my chest.
0: Well, uh, something that could be blowing the mind of Chris Jones is how much money he is probably about to make. And uh, Tom Pelissero reported earlier today that the Jets and All-Pro defensive tackle Quinn Williams agreed to a terms on a four year 90 60, 96 million dollar deal he also gets 66 million and guaranteed so basically how this works the first three years of his four year deal are guaranteed um for 22 million of the about 24 and then the last year is more so just a you know you can play on it if you're still good by then otherwise we'll cut you without much uh deficit but he, he's a young defensive tackle so i think the idea for them is That he will be playing by the time it gets to that point. Uh, But anyway, there there was a lot of talk as as it pertains to the Chiefs and Chris Jones, who's on the last year of his contract, that the Chiefs were waiting on the Quinn and Williams deal so that they could properly pay Chris Jones and make him the second highest paid defensive tackle, um, only behind Aaron Donald. Now that this deal is out, I feel like a Chris Jones contract is probably going to get wrapped up soon, right?
1: Yes, I would think so. Uh, I, I would think so. And it, it makes a lot of sense. I think I think if you're the Chiefs and if you're Chris Jones, it's obvious that both sides want the same thing. They both want Chris Jones to play for the Chiefs. That seems pretty clear to me. The question is just the the money situation and all that stuff. And, and you know, I, as a player, I understand you want to get paid what you're worth and all that, and I think Chris Jones does care about that. And I think the Chiefs care about making sure that he feels fairly compensated. So I think there's a lot of everyone wants to Pull in the same direction. It's just a matter of actually nailing it down and like getting all the details worked out. And I do think, yeah, like you were saying, with this Quinn and Williams deal getting wrapped up, it feels to me as if the Chiefs will will have Chris Jones signed. And I think, also, you know, with with training camp kicking off very soon, uh, I think it it would also make sense for both parties to have this deal done before that starts. Because otherwise, I think if if you don't have him signed before training camp, that's going to be the first question of every press conference of what's Chris Jones what's the update with Chris Jones so I think from a from a media standpoint from a PR standpoint uh, for the chiefs it also makes sense to just go ahead and, and get him signed before the start of training camp which I think the first day of training camp is July 23rd uh, if I'm not mistaken so you know basically if they can't get it done you know before this weekend I would expect it to be done probably sometime next week I would think
0: yeah, and there's a lot of ways you can go with this. They can either you know structure it like the Quinton Williams and be like, here we'll get we'll just give you four years, hundred million, so you're making an extra million a year, and instead of sixty six guaranteed, we'll give you you know 68, 70 guaranteed. So you're you're upping him. They could try to uh, do the Aaron Donald structure where Donald got three ninety five, and obviously not give him that much money, but say. Here, we'll give you more on average per year than what Quinton Williams is making, but we'll give you three years. So we'll give you 375 or 380, but we'll give it like 70, 75 of it, or all of it will be guaranteed. Like there's a couple ways they can do this now. This just pretty much opens it up. And, you know, we were talking earlier in the show, kind of joking around about the ESPYs and, you know, the Chiefs won like the team award and stuff. Um, But one thing that is kind of notable from that, you know, obviously to your point on this, this is what both sides want. Like, it's not like, Chris Jones is holding out because he wants a gigantic deal and he never wants to play for the Chiefs. Obviously, he wants to play for Chiefs. He was there at the ESPYs last night. He was on stage to receive the award. Uh, It was Mahomes, Kelsey, Jones, and Pacheco who were there. Kelsey spoke for, I don't know, a little bit. And then they had Chris Jones come up and he spoke after that. Um, So it was just those two that spoke. And he talked about, like, how he's been blessed in his career. And he was just like, he's just so happy that he has Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, like. He was like, that's the best advice I would give to any player. Like, just have Patrick Wallace and Travis Kelsey. He was like, all I have to worry about is sacking the quarterback. And, and, And the reason I bring this up, he's obviously there with the team. Like, this is clearly something that feels like to me it's probably pretty close to getting done to where, like, it would not shock me at all if we are talking about at this time tomorrow on the show, Chris Jones has signed his contract, you know?
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah, and and also I think from the Chiefs' standpoint, also, Chris Jones as a player elevates the Chiefs' defense from like a bottom ten defense probably to middle of the pack, if not you know in the top half, right? I mean that I mean just from an individual standpoint on the field, that's what he's worth to the Chiefs. So if you're the Chiefs, it's it's insane to not try to make sure you. I mean, and listen, I understand that Chris Jones is is older than Quinn Williams, but he still got a good couple of years left in him of elite level play i would say so uh, it, uh, to me it makes no sense or it makes perfect sense i should say to to go ahead and get that get that done
0: yeah i mean chris jones at this point is uh 29 years old like aaron donald for instance who won the super bowl a year ago in 2021 that was his age 31 season and he was still like the best defensive player in the nfl so you're going to be totally fine right if you, if you give him a four year contract that means you're paying him age 29 30 31 32 that's really not that big of a deal it's really not and to your point it does elevate the defense like he creates so much gravity for the other defensive ends and defensive linemen to get after the quarterback and you know I I think it's interesting you brought up the fact of like with him they're a middle of the pack upper half defense I agree with that in theory but there is actually like a little chance that I know this sounds crazy because we just never seen it in the Patrick Mahomes era with the Chiefs that this could wind up being like a top eight to 10 defense in the NFL. Like, seriously, if, if you get Chris Jones back and he's in another prime season, uh, let's say you get, you know, steps up from George Karloftis and the signings you made with like Charles O'Menohue and uh, Drew Tranquil, like help out. You get Brian Cook in another year in, in secondary. You have all those young corners. Why would they not get better in year two, right? You, you might have one of the best linebacking cores in, in the entire NFL, with Nick Bolton in another year, Willie Gay in another year, Drew Tranquil coming in. Like, there is a real chance that this could be the best defense, bar none of the Patrick Mahomes era, and Chris Jones is the most important player to making the other defenders better. He is the best player on that defense. Uh, You could have an argument for who the second best player on the Chiefs is. Obviously, one's Mahomes. You could argue it's Kelsey. You could argue it's Jones. I would go with Kelsey still, but just because of his impact to what you said, where it's like, if you take Travis Kelsey off the Chiefs, they're probably still going to have a top five or six offense because of Mahomes, whereas Kelsey maybe moves them to being consistently top three, number one. Whereas if you take off Chris Jones, like you said, they might be a bottom-ten defense. The drop is even further on. So it would be huge if they can sign him, and, and now the road work is there that they should be able to do um, just that. All right, uh, we're going to take a timeout and completely switch gears. We've got some Florida man Mad Libs coming up. On the other side with Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, Depend on it. This is a Rock Jog Sports Talk news alert.
2: Office say this man sold crack to an undercover police officer all while wearing a shirt that said Coke on it.
0: Ever wondered just how crazy headlines can get? And now the Broward Sheriff's Office is looking into this one. So if you recognize the defecating deviant dropping deuces on driveways, give Broward Crime Stoppers a call. Our headline experts have you covered. A 42-year-old man was arrested for riding his bicycle on the front lawn of a neighborhood home and telling a woman inside he was an FBI agent. This is Florida Man Mad Libs with Derek Johnson, Nick
1: Springer, and Sam Speck on Rock Jog Sports Talk. All right, it's that time here on RCST for Florida Man Mad Libs. I'm Nick Springer, joined by Sam Speck in the KWN studio. And Derek Johnson, still on the road from uh, Big 12 Media Days, is joining us remotely. Derek. What's up?
0: Oh, I am uh, excited for Florida Man Mad Libs. Okay, so is, I want to.
1: I'm glad we're doing this. So we've got you on a Zoom here, and I'm actually glad we're doing this because I want to make sure you're not cheating so I can see you. So <laughs> don't do anything that will make me suspicious. Otherwise, will, I will call it out.
0: I actually have a team behind the camera. You can't see it. I have like eight <laughs> people that see, I've this, hired. This is exactly
2: that, what I was afraid of. Or, yeah. Mm hmm. And this is what I'm afraid of as somebody as well that kind of prepares these. I worry that you guys do your studying from week to week and maybe find these headlines. Because, again, these are all legitimate headlines. These are things that come out within the past seven days, maybe in the last few months or years or anything like that. But, uh, again, for those at home, here's how it works. 4 Man Mad Libs is comprised of four different legitimate headlines, whether it was from this week, last week, or the prior year's And again, it doesn't necessarily have to specify a Florida man either. But again, four legitimate headlines coming your way. The first one will have one redacted word or phrase. That will be worth one point. The next three will have two potential, uh, or excuse me, three potential points, but two redacted words or phrases. And of course, we get to sit back and enjoy all the guesses that both Nick and Derek will try and come up with and of course you are encouraged to keep your score at home maybe compare how you uh, match up against Nick or Derek or maybe throughout your yearly score and let's go ahead and talk about that real quick because Derek 4-0 and on the year with a 17-7 to lead in the summer league it has been an absolute wash and Nick any response to that heading into week
1: five? Listen every week it's zero, 0 Every week it's 0, zero. I like it's that. New game. I like that confidence. Derek, new how's game. your
2: confidence heading into week five here? Nobody Ready? cares about Derek. Their- wow. <laughs> You know, I,
0: I'm a humble person, so, you know, I, I wouldn't bring up the fact that um, I'm just destroying Nick or that this isn't really even that close of a competition. I, I wouldn't say those things because I'm, I'm humble. So, oh, well, thank you um, for being so yeah, humble. I, you know, yeah, I This that. is maybe one of the most dominant seasons ever, people are saying, but I wouldn't say that. You know, that's just what the other people are saying.
2: Yeah, yeah. I've heard it around town, around Lawrence especially, and probably down there in Dallas where you're at the Big 12 Media Days because Florida Man is a special nationwide thing. But again, let's get to it. You gentlemen ready? Round one. Here we are. Again, only one redacted word or phrase. And I do have a hint. First time ever, I do have a hint on what? this. We don't if need you hints. need it. Exactly. Oh, okay. But a Florida man arrested for throwing blank at a customer. So obviously he was the employee at whichever place that he may have been working at. And that kind of uh, leads to the hint as well, which we may get to. But a Florida man arrested for throwing a mop, a big gulp, or a handful
1: of change
2: at a customer.
1: Hmm. So Big Gulp, that's like a drink,
2: right? It is, but it's specific okay. to uh, 7-Eleven, the store. Okay. The Big Gulp, it's like well, their largest drink. So the-
1: my, I don't think it's the Big Gulp. I, but the other two options are interesting. Because think about it. If you've ever been like a fast food slash service industry worker employee person, how many times are you trying to mop the floor and people just walk on through? They don't even care. They just walk over what you're trying to mop. So- if that happens enough times, I don't understand chucking the mop at somebody. I get it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and right? Assaulting
2: and throwing the mop at the somebody. The second part of
1: this is, <laughs> the second part of this with the change is, I my very first job when I was 14, I worked at Brahms. I was at Brahms. yeah love Brahms. Okay. The thing about Brahms is a lot of old people go to Brahms. Okay. What do old people love to do? They love to pay with change and be like,
3: I need my exact
1: change. So they would be like, here's $25 and give me 80 whatever it- However, the many pennies you need, or whatever, and you'd have to count them out, and that would be another reason. If you had to do that enough times throughout the day, you would throw change at somebody. So, you're so I understand both hands.
2: mop or handful of change, but you really haven't been definitive on one, have you? Uh, I don't know, you kind of, Derek, Derek. Derek, what do you yeah, think? What are your thoughts?
0: I'm thinking it is big gulp, and I think why. I think this could have been in the headlines. So 7-Eleven does on 7-Eleven like free slurpees, and if you notice, 7-Eleven was just like two days ago. So I, I think this could be in the headlines. Something happened in, in that regard. Um, I drove by a bunch of 7-Elevens down here. They have them down here. I, I haven't so gotten a Slurpee somebody yet. Just, I'll get
1: one on the way back. you think somebody just got tired of serving 7-Eleven drinks and they were like, here,
0: take <laughs> it? I don't know. Well, no. I mean, it's, it's it's self-serve. You walk in and you get it yourself. So then that, okay. If, well, like, then why,
1: why would the employee well, no, be no, the one throwing it theory. at you? You still here's have to purchase
2: theory. it, though.
0: So they they have like, they do free 7-Eleven days. And in the past, they used to have it to where like, if you brought in any container, you could fill it up. They started changing that and to where they only, it was like, you only get like a free like small one. But I think this guy probably went in there with his big gulp, filled up the Slurpee, then went to the register and was like, hey, it's free 7-Eleven day. Here's my free 7-Eleven. They're like, no, you got to pay for that one. And he threw it at him.
1: No, oh, but the,
2: I see what you're saying. The
1: employee threw it at the customer.
2: That is correct, though. Within the headline, it is yeah. the employee threw it big gulp. Yeah, like the they got gold. in an
0: argument, and eventually the employee threw it at the, the customer. I got you. Uh, they were
2: okay. Because he is right. You do have to go up to the counter no, I and understand. purchase the big Gulf. I correct. just don't. I'm having a hard so time. So, Derek, adjusting. are you locking in with the beverage, or what are you saying here? I am. Okay, so Derek's going to go big gulp. What I'm are your thoughts, change. though? I'm going to. And change. then a handful of change. And Nick, sounds like you have some prior experience.
1: No, I don't have prior well. experience. I just, <laughs> well, <understand. Bronx. laughs> I just understand why somebody would be potentially, an, an employee would potentially do that. And, that uh, and let me just go ahead
2: and say that was exactly the hint that I was going to say. It's a business that directly drives off of a day that was just a few days ago. Florida man arrested for oh. throwing big gulp at a customer. And indeed, so Derek coming away with one point there. That was the only hint that I could come up with. But I will say, and Derek, you might be able to relate to this. I have been a couple of days off this entire week. I thought it was Florida demand Day, like on Tuesday. And I was ready to record. I was ready to go. And if you remember, that was 7-Eleven. So I had ah. this one ready and in the bank. But Derek, coming <laughs> away with a point there. So good job.
0: Yeah, all it's right. actually funny. I was on I was on the phone with my wife last night when I was driving through Texas and I drove by a seven eleven and I was like, Man, I just missed it. I could have got my free seven eleven slushie. So this is actually on the tip of my
2: mind. So
1: this yeah, out. And they were oh, very, I'm sure it was. They were I'm very popular just, in uh Colorado. I'm sure you didn't just Google it. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they
2: okay. were very, very popular in Colorado. Hey, I as would well. just like
0: to say, you can see me on camera. I can't see you for so for all I know, you know. I I'm
2: here though, so at least we've got the house here to uh to be the judge by any means. But Derek coming away at least with one Point there in round number one. And and a quick reminder to all of our listeners, the next three headlines will have two redacted words or phrases. So let's move into this one. And we also get to move away from the sunshine state here. We go to Minnesota. As a Minnesota man who was wanted by police jumps out of blank, later found hiding in blank. And again, we'll have the second redacted word or phrase in just a moment. But let's figure out where he jumps out of. A Minnesota man wanted by police jumps out of a moving bus a plane's emergency exit, or a four-story building, wow. and then later found in blank. He's fine. Everything's okay. He was actually charged with the crime, but nonetheless, where is he jumping from? Again, a moving bus, four-story building, or a plane's emergency exit? How
1: is he jumping from the plane if he's fine?
2: It, you just pull that hatch and rip out the window, I guess. But you, I'm saying, I mean, like, you've been on a plane. Falls. You know what you're talking but, yeah, about. Yeah, but how does he survive? How do you survive a four story building? You you're, survive you're talking that. about it. No, you can't compared to a plane. Dude, a plane's like five thousand feet in the air. Okay, no, okay, so it maybe within the headline, um, I give you I'll give you it was on the ground. The plane w- would have been on the ground if that was <laughs> okay. legit. if that was the real answer, the plane would have been on the ground. <laughs> uh, or a moving bus, or a four-story building. Four stories is way taller than a, an emergency They're playing on the window. ground, sure,
1: yes. Okay. Playing on the
2: ground, sure. Nonetheless, yeah. though, again, you two are thinking, let's see, what's he jumping out of? He's obviously, he's got the police on his back. He's got to get out of there. Where is he, though? Is he on a bus? Is he in a four-story building? Or is he on the plane and he's just trying to get the heck out of there?
1: Derek, you go first on this one.
2: So immediately,
0: I was going to rule out the plane one because the same thought I was like, oh, he needs a parachute, that's not going to happen. But the fact that Sam had all those details that he's making, it seem like the plane on the ground. I don't know. That makes me want to pick that one. And also the fact that, you know, what if this was one of those classic, like disgruntled passengers on the plane? And they're like, let me off, let me off. You know, and eventually they just pulled the thing and jumped out. We um, have had a uptick in Can't do that. So then they ran. So I'm, I'm going to do the plane one. Okay, so yeah, I actually,
1: think- I actually am thinking it's the plane one two now. Also, I'm thinking, what couple things? Either there was like the plane was mid-flight and the guy like had an altercation, and then they were like, "Oh, well, you're getting arrested when it lands," and then it landed, and he was like, "No, I'm not," and he jumped out. Or it was a situation where, uh and this this happens a lot more frequently now where airlines will be like, all right, everyone board the plane, and then you get on the plane, and then they're oh, like, actually, that. we're going to sit here for an hour because we have to do something. Yeah. So the guy was like, dude, I'm not going to sit here for an hour. I'm going to go back and do something so else. So look, it sounds
2: like Derek's good with the emergency. Are you going I'm both? I'm going to go with the plane, plane? Well. Okay, yeah. so both plane, plane well. and everybody at home, lock in your answers. Again, Minnesota man wanted by police jumps out of either a moving bus, four-story building, or a plane's emergency exit. He was later found finding I- uh, found Hiding in a dumpster, hiding in an airport restroom, or hiding in a food service truck.
1: Mm. See, obviously, the airport restroom is right there for the take.
2: For the planes or whatever. What but picked. the airport could have been a four-story building. You never know. Yes. Mm.
1: Well, maybe.
2: You never know. I well, try. I,
1: no, I no. I understand. The house is or coming out could to have fight been, this week. Uh, so let's see. The food service truck is possible. Mm-hmm. Those are around airplanes. Oh,
2: airports, 100%. They, they, they visit an airplane every time it lands.
1: And then what's the other one?
2: A dumpster. There's and lots of dumpsters around airports. An airport restroom.
1: I think I'm just going to go with the safe bet here. I'm going to pick airport restroom. So, I'm sticking with what I went with originally, and I'm just going to ride it out, ride or die. See so you happens. think he
2: is at the airport. Planes have something to do with it, so he's going to go airport restroom. Derek, what are you thinking? A food service truck, a dumpster, or an airport restroom is where he was found hiding.
0: I I don't think it's the—I don't know. A dumpster could be, but I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to pick that one. I don't think it is the airport bathroom one because that requires him going— back into the actual airport, which if he jumped out the plane to
2: get back in...
0: where else would he go? What do you mean? Never know. Well, how would he get in the airport? Because if you jump out the plane, Uh, you're just on the runway.
1: Doors? What do you mean, how would he get in the airport? Sneak on in, But you realize that
0: the the doors that go from the runway into the airport, you have to have like the security badge like those aren't just anybody can go through those <laughs> okay
1: uh, but uh, dude, this guy already broke the law once what makes you he think he's gonna be like oh i don't have my security badge oh darn it let me just go i could <laughs> just imagine <laughs> no, somebody's guy-
0: locked if you don't use the security badge just locked so he like physically can't get in i i think it's the food truck one i think there was a food truck he just saw something nearby ran inside of it was like maybe this thing will drive me away and then i'll pop out later
2: <laughs> could you imagine somebody trying to evade police and then they just show up on the baggage claim line or something they yeah, like oh no, that's, that's actually go-
1: <laughs> yeah like, dive into they the go through and plane plane. end
2: up in the baggage claim and then <laughs> no, go from there. that's actually the smart thing to do. That would be, but it's not an option here. Here it is, full unredacted, and I will say both of you got the first one correct. Minnesota man wanted by police jumps out of a plane's emergency exit, and it was shortly after that the plane exited that he realized he had a warrant for his arrest, and police were waiting for him at the gate. But then he was later found hiding. In a food service truck. No shot! So, yes, Derek,
1: coming away with a Dude, big three-banger
2: there's there. there's no
1: way that you came up with that. You definitely cheated on that one. I... <laughs> I, I don't I, no I, way. I, I thought it could have been
0: mine or the dumbest one. I thought you had the dumbest answer for the same reason I said there was no way he was going to be able to get back to
2: this. <laughs> <Well>, I <laughs> thought you were the dumbest answer. Yeah, I'm sure you did. Savage. All right. Well, Derek, with a uh, again, it's still a slim lead as we head into the second now, and we go back to our namesake. It's the title of the show, Florida Man. That's right. Florida Man throws blank at deputies after striking cars with a blank in a road raid. Uh, excuse me, road rage fit. Hmm. Florida man throws a blank at deputies after striking cars with blank in road rage fit. So let's get to the first one here. A Florida man throws either a tantrum, a barbecue grill, or a cigarette at deputies after striking cars with blank in a road rage fit. Hmm. So what is he throwing at the deputies? And again, we will have what he's striking the vehicles with in a moment, but either a cigarette, a tantrum, or a barbecue grill is what he's throwing at these deputies.
1: Uh, I feel like it's not tantrum because in the headline, you said throws blank at, at the deputies. Oh, I so see. So that would indicate that he physically is throwing something. You're getting down to the phonetics. So that's here why here I don't call. think it's tantrum. So all already, I'm going to eliminate that option. The cigarette seems like it's the easy pick here because I just don't. I have a hard time envisioning the scenario in which a guy. I mean, I guess if he just has a truck and a grill in the back of his truck, but like, who just has a grill within their car? Like, who just drives around with a grill? Not anybody that I know. Maybe it's more of a Florida thing. I don't know, but I'm just I'm questioning that one. So I'm I'm leaning cigarette. Leaning
2: cigarette, but Derek, Derek, what are your thoughts? I haven't gotten a final answer from Nick yet, but what are your thoughts so far, Derek? Sam, can you can you reread the whole headline? Yeah, Florida man throws blank, and again, throw, Florida man throws either throwing a tantrum throws a cigarette or throws a barbecue grill at deputies after striking cars with a blank in a road rage fit. So again, he's throwing either a tantrum, a cigarette or a barbecue grill at these deputies.
0: I do kind of think Nick is like the most logical cigarette. But I mean, this is not a game of logic. I kind of want to go barbecue grill. Like maybe he went to like Home Depot or something, Walmart, he picked himself up a barbecue grill um, and then he was on his way home i don't know something went down See, i'm, I'm that, gonna go okay, down. You throw like, a grill though even,
1: <laughs> that even more your logic is even more stupid for that answer because if you buy it bought a brand new grill why would you then immediately throw it at somebody immediately after buying it you just wasted your money
0: well i mean i don't think there's a lot of logic involved with a lot of these headlines so certainly
2: yeah. so Derek, I'm gonna, are you kind of solidified on barbecue grill there or what's your thoughts yeah, I'm feeling good with that. Okay, I'm so going gonna gonna to go there.
1: with the cigarette, I guess. And
2: Nick's going with the Marlboro Man. All right, so Florida Man throws again either a tantrum, cigarette, or barbecue grill at Deputies after striking cars with coins, a tire iron, or kitchen utensils in a road rage fit. So, <laughs> again, he's striking cars either with coins, okay. a tire iron, Dude, or kitchen utensils. Got this
1: one in the bag. It's tire iron. Here's why. Guy takes the tire iron. He's mad. He just goes and starts beating up cars. What happens when you are swinging a tire iron, and hitting cars? You get tired. You get tired. What do you want to do when you want to take a break? Smoke ah, break, a little boom. nicotine break. I there see. Yeah. So cigarette, tire then tire iron. iron, nick
2: locking in there. Derek, are you are you as you know confident in your second option here, or what are you thinking?
0: No, not really. But I, I guess I'll just steer into the idea that this guy went to like you know Home Goods or Walmart or Home HomeGood- wherever. Picked up his grill. He also got some kitchen utensils. And I don't know, something happened. Some rage inspired him to start throwing all the stuff that he bought at these other cars. Road rage, like you said. I mean, maybe that's why he was just like, ah, whatever. I got a great deal. I got a two for one on these utensils. Well, we'll just use one of them as, as throwing stuff. And then eventually it got to the grill after the other guy maybe came out and, you know, maybe threatened him somewhere or another. We're going to go kitchen utensils. And this guy basically just bought everything that he started throwing.
2: I like it. Well, I like the line of thinking. And, and that may have been the story. But here was the actual one, as both of you coming away with a point. Florida man throws a barbecue grill at deputies after striking cars with a tire iron in a road rage fit, okay. so both of you coming away with a point. I honestly read through the story, and I don't understand where he got the barbecue grill from, or maybe if it was randomly Man, in his okay. truck or something. So I don't really know. Do you so think I it was really a possibility
1: know. that like the road rage incident happened like in a neighborhood or near a park or something? And So or, yeah. he was just near somebody else's grill and was like, <laughs> ah, I like I this don't grill. Know.
0: Whatever it is, Derek, what Nick. If, what if he's just like a big tailgater? What if he just has oh. those like mini charcoal grills and it just stays in his truck? I see. So I he had it on
2: hand. Yeah, so that would make sense. But nonetheless, uh, both coming away with a point. Derek with a 5-2 to two lead right now, which means if Derek gets no points and Nick gets this entire headline right, we're heading into a following week with a tie. But here it is. A blank Florida man flags down deputies to show off his blank. So he is doing something. And of these three, here it is. A flag-wearing, a gun-yielding, or a Speedo-wearing Florida man. Flags down deputies to show off his blank. We'll get to the second in just a moment. But again, flag-wearing, gun-yielding, or Speedo-wearing Florida man. Of those so three options, you, which one is yours? When you yours? say
1: flag, it's just like he's just got a just flag. Just a flag,
2: quite literally. It didn't specify it either. wasn't American flag, Florida flag, just said flag-wearing. Or Speedo-wearing. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he was a gun-yielding citizen. You never know
1: the speedo one i think is the most intriguing florida i think is open (laughs) carry so that you could have weapons i think so it's possible yeah
2: yeah it could happen in that
1: the flag one is interesting i don't i mean
2: (sighs) it's americaville down there man. maybe they got an american flag or something i don't know
1: i think i might just have to go with flag
2: all right so nick he's thinking flag Derek, what do you think gun yielding flag wearing or maybe he's wearing a speedo
0: I I wanted Speedo the whole way through, so that's what we're going with.
2: Derek's going to lock in with Speedo. Again, either a gun-yielding, a flag-wearing, or a Speedo-wearing Florida man flags down deputies to show off his package, to show off his pot plant, or to show off his outfit. So either pot plant, package, or outfit. And they are all ridiculous answers, absolutely. But of those three, which one do you think is the legitimate headline here?
1: Derek, I think you fell for Sam's trap here. I think... I don't think Speedo is the right answer at the first part, to be clear. Uh, so, with the second one, I feel like it's got to be outfit because he's like, dude, check out this sick flag I got. Let me show it off for you. Because the other answers only make sense, I think, for flags. So, I'm going to go with the outfit for the flag. So, Nick's like an outfit. Derek,
2: of those three pot plant package outfit, what do you like?
0: Uh, I don't like any of them, to be honest. Um... <laughs> yeah, it's because your first answer sucked. <laughs> I don't like any of them with the first one either, though. Um,
2: That's the beauty. That's the beauty of Florida, man.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm going to go... Are you
2: going to guess here, pot plant, package, or outfit? What is he showing off? Pot plant? Is that what you said? Mm Mm-hmm. All right, so Derek's just going to go on a guess. Here it is, full, unredacted, and wrong. I, I cannot believe it, because just as you say wrong, a Speedo-wearing Florida man flags down deputies to show off his pot plant. In the state of Florida, right. Derek, what the hell was that? That was the most ludicrous ad li- I mean, news cheating. line that we've ever uh, had. He's gotta be- he must be cheating. He's got his team oh, back there. My. I mean, I have no idea. But nonetheless, Derek is another. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, nonetheless, uh, I will say this was fun. Derek, enjoy yourself down there in Dallas. Uh, enjoy some family time in the Big 12 media days. Nonetheless, always uh, appreciate you including me on your fun here in Florida, man. But other than that, we will see you next week. That's Sam well, Speck. Hold on. And
0: uh, what? I got a house one. Oh, uh, we one. do. We heck? still
2: have time, okay? I don't let's know if do we it. have time. Derek. I was going to say, you better be quick.
0: Uh, well, I won't do the triple one then. All right, yeah. Uh, yeah let's yeah. see. Nebraska man rides blank for 38 miles down blank.
2: Okay, rides blank 38, <laughs> 38 miles. miles okay, blank. what is he riding?
0: Okay, Nebraska man rides um, deer carcass, pumpkin, or razor scooter for 38
1: miles
2: down blank.
1: I mean, the logical one the would be the only thing you can make ride sense. on.
2: The scooter's the I'm, only one that makes sense. You
1: could grow a big pumpkin and ride on How it. How do you like? ride on a pumpkin, Nick? Well, that's true. It would be more like a falling with style with the pumpkin I falling guess. on you. I'm
2: going to go with with Scooter just because it's the only logical. So Scooter and Pumpkin. I'm going to go Scooter, though. What's the next one? Okay. Uh,
0: For 38 miles down Missouri River, Pants Butte and World's Largest Man-Made Slide.
1: I don't even know what Pants Butte is, but I'm going to go with World's Largest Man-Made Slide.
2: You definitely could have ridden a pumpkin down a river, though. So that that might be something like that. You can't can't ride a Scooter down a river. What was the other one? Scooter, slide, and then... Or uh, the river slide.
0: It is like a uh, local. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm
2: gonna Lake go with man-made slide. That's the only <laughs> one that makes sense. You can't take a scooter in a river.
0: <laughs> Correct answer. Nebraska man rides pumpkin for 38 miles down Missouri River. Oh, oh my
2: lord! Okay, I got one point. Pumpkin River. I thought I thought of it in, in my secondary option, but I I tried to go with my gut there. Nonetheless, again, all right. There. Here's the sign off. Thank you, boys, for again including me in your fun. We'll see you next
1: week. That's Sam Speck, and Derek Johnson is with us from Dallas. We're going to take a timeout here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We'll get to our RCST replay with Red Martel in case you missed that conversation earlier in the show, next on RCST.